Gagan and you're listening to a special episode of the Voice of Insurance podcast, produced in association with insurance technology solutions specialist, Viper. Today's guest is Paul Templer, Viper's CEO. Viper started out in the London market 14 years ago, and it's best known for providing software solutions to the endless administrative problem of the ingestion and checking of data in the delegated authority space. And this goes right to the heart of what Paul and I are going to talk about today. This year is highly significant for carriers writing delegated authority business in the London market because DDM, the system that they use to process this business into Lloyd's, is going to be retired in September. Limos, the not-for-profit body in charge of sourcing and operating common services for the London market, has confirmed the change. So, in just under nine months, a method of underwriting that produces around 40% of London market premiums is going to take a big step into the unknown. There's an awful lot at stake and a huge amount of work has to be done between now and the autumn. And that's why I'm really grateful to have Paul as an expert guide through this potential maze. Paul is a great ambassador for his company and the wider market, and I can't think of a better qualified advisor as the market transitions from a centralised service model to one that is likely to be driven by data standards. Enjoy the podcast. Paul, welcome back to The Voice of Insurance. It's great to see you again. Well, it's really nice to be here. Today we're talking about the processing of delegated authority, which you are the absolute world expert, and you're going to guide me through all of this. We're talking more specifically about something called DDM. First of all, what does DDM stand for? I don't want to be, I'm not, I'm not here as your examiner or inquisitor, <laughs> but DDM, what does it stand for and what's it all about? Yeah, so DDM is Delegated Data Manager. It started off its life as DA Sats back in 2018. Primarily, it was there to assist with getting data to Lloyd's Brussels. As you remember about that time, Brexit happened. Lloyd's Brussels was formed and delegated data that was written within Europe had to be placed through Lloyd's Brussels. So it was a mechanism to get that data over. So effectively, everybody in Lloyd's writing European Union business was writing a binder to themselves on the paper of Lloyd's Brussels. Correct, yeah. Company. yeah. So that was the main driver behind it. That was the urgency behind it. At that the time. was the urgency behind it, absolutely. It became wider than that over time. So over time, it started to encompass things like line slips. There was a promise or a directive that it was going to be mandated for all delegated business, but that didn't happen in the end. And what's the story now? What's happening? Why are we having this podcast conversation? Well, other than we really get on and we like each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it, there's been quite a lot of change happened recently. So as I mentioned just now, there was an intent to mandate DDM for all of delegated authority business. That was rescinded. And now it looks like DDM as a current project will be retired in September. At the moment, that means that in its current form, DDM won't exist anymore and something else will need to take its place, whether that's system or data. And currently that is a vacuum. We don't know what's going to replace it. The only information that we have is that the market will be pursuing data standards over systems. So I'm taking that that a defined return, a defined set of information will need to be submitted in a certain format, but they're not looking to mandate a particular system that will need to do that. So in terms of what DDM was doing, it was mostly being used for Lloyd's Brussels business. Why do you think it wasn't necessarily taken up by everybody and embraced by everybody? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we focus on the fact that Lloyd's were using it, but it was actually wider than that. It was the London market as a whole. So the company markets were also able to use the platform. 
I think there's a few things that sort of led to it not being as widely used as it could have been. So partly the fact that it is a central system means that a bit of the flexibility was lost. So what I mean by that is any changes that need to be made to the platform or if you wanted to use it in a slightly different way without the support of the rest of the community, that really wasn't going to happen. There was also the fact of who was responsible for entering the data and that could have been one of a number of parties. It could have been the cover holder, it could have been the broker, it could have been the insurer. It depends who was given that task. And I think as a result of that, what was happening was there was quite varied data quality going into the platform. So some parties were really doing it very well. They were standing up teams, they were making a lot of effort to put data in. Perhaps not all parts of the market were doing that. So what you've ended up with is a basket of data varying in quality and therefore questionable use of that data. Right. Okay. So it wasn't actually that useful. And is it very interoperable with every broker's got a system, every cover holder's got their own systems, and every paper provider, every insurance company and Lloyd Syndicate have got their own systems as well? Was it very interoperable with those systems? I mean, could you easily plug into it, you know, via an API programmable interface? I, where you can get all your computers to talk to each other so you don't need into the data once and it can be fired through to different places. Was it interoperable in that sort of way? There was a promise of that. So there was always the intent to have an API on top of that. Unfortunately, that never happened. So what it led to was businesses that had their own border management system, whether it was ours or another vendor's, they were in a position where they would have to potentially double key that data. So they were looking to put it through their platform, but then also do the job again to get it into DSATs. Obviously, you're fully aware of this because you're a provider to those people. For a lot of those people who've got those border management, they've got your product, and you presumably were wanting to get your product to be easily interoperable with this system. Absolutely. I mean, we were really looking to support our customer base. It was something that they had to do for their EU-impacted binders. And we wanted to make that as simple as possible. And the simplest route would have been to have a mechanism to take data from our platform and to put it into DDM. It would have been a no-brainer, really. The best that we were able to do was to be able to output a standardized Lloyd's Coverholder Reporting Standard 5.2 output, which would fit into DDM fairly well. But obviously, if anything outside of that required work to get in. Coverholder 5.2 sounds a bit complicated. So there have already been five versions of, of the there, output. there have been a few versions. <laughs> yeah, so Lloyd's have made several attempts at standardising the way that data comes into the market. And to some degree, they've had some success. A lot of the claims data that comes through does tend to come through in a 5.2 format. But there are a lot of different ways that data comes into the market. And that's really why systems like ours exist because we're able to take however the data format is that comes in and convert it into a standard set of headings. I'd like to unpick what you said about data, a data-driven solution rather than a centralised sort of mandated one. Obviously, this was a centralised mandated one, this DDM. What's the big difference between data-driven one and a, a centralised one? Well, I think the route that was taken was to provide a central system that would ultimately store data in a single format. Whereas I think what probably should have been done, and the indications are what will be done now, is to have a defined data standard that any system can adhere to and supply data within that format. So for example, managing agents can use our platform, they can process the data and either automatically or by click of a button, 
an output will automatically be sent into Lloyd's, which will be in the defined format with the right data validated and go straight into that platform. So it's much more a data system simply to say that here are a load of fields that need filling in and it doesn't really matter how you fire them in. Exactly that. You know, is awesome. We've got 57 different boxes that you need to fill up. Each one has, you know, one says the name of the insured, one says whatever, all the different things, some insured, period. All, of course, all those little, you know, what you describe as fields and whatever, little categories of information that need to be filled in. That's right. And then just fire them in. Totally. And there might be slight differences depending on the class of business or the territory that's involved, but there would be some defined data standards that we would adhere to and output that data within. And that way... Our customers are not having to run two different systems. It's very, very simple. They process their data, and at the end of that processing, we get a file out that can... Because it's not as if there's suddenly some magic new kind of data needs to be created. We're all insurance people. We know it's period, limit, cover, oh, totally. name uh, of insured, etc. And the thing I think to bear in mind is that a lot of the data that our customers are receiving may not necessarily be needed by Lloyd's. So these are things that will help them underwrite the business that they have, but not necessarily impact things like tax and regulation, which is really what Lloyds are focused on. So again, on data there, we've had some progress with the London Market Data Council as a subset of the London Market Group. Do you think that's something that could be playing a role in defining those data standards that need to be filled in? Yeah, I, I do. There's a lot of work, a lot of really good work that's gone into CDR, the common data records that are out there at the moment for the open market. And without doubt, they will be extended to encompass the DA standards that we're looking to work with. Right now, we're looking at Lloyd's 5.2 coverholder reporting standards for premium and claim data, but the CDR will absolutely replace those at some point. And again, to go back to that centralised solution and the drawback of a centralised solution is when you, you mentioned that earlier. So if I'm right, the drawback of those solutions is that they've got their standard certain amount of pigeonholes that need information but if you particularly say, you know what, there's one other thing I'd like to collect about my portfolio of risks, you have to ask permission. You've got to say, can you put this new field, this new sort of pigeonhole in which I put data, this new classification of stuff? Do you have to get someone to go and build that for you? Whereas if these were all available, you wouldn't have to get anyone to build it. It's something, this is, you've already got it. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we've certainly seen the scenario where cover holder A wants to add a new field to the DDM database. Coverholder B says, actually, we put it in this place. Coverholder C says, well, we put it over here. And there's no common agreement as to whether that new field can be added or whether you can just make do with something else that's already in the system. Even with a bit of a sort of stalemate saying, we're already doing it, why should we pay for it and all the other things? Absolutely. So there's many, many benefits of having your own system, but one of them is the flexibility to configure it and set it up exactly as you need to. And of course, the other big advantage is that when things like this happen, when market systems get taken away, if that's all you've been using, you have no system. So you, you have to then think what else you do. We've got this potential cliff edge in September, but is it really a cliff then? Do you think people will be able to trade through this? What, what is likely to be their solution when they come to the end of August? What are they going to do? It's a really important thing. I mean, we think there's probably 10 to 15 managing agents that today are using DDM as their sole boardroom management system. And they have to think very carefully about what they're going to do, notwithstanding the fact that a lot of customers coming to the market at the same time, there's going to be a situation where people are going to have to wait to get a new system because I wouldn't imagine very many vendors can satisfy that sort of demand in a very short space of time. The good news is that we're already talking to a number of parties at the moment, so that situation shouldn't arise. 
The simple fact is that I think there are going to be one of two options. One is to find a way to get an interim use of the system that they currently have, DDM, to see if they can extend it for a period of time. Or two is they're going to have to look at alternative platforms to use instead of it. And if they were looking for an alternative, is it going to be easy for them to extract, particularly if it was their sole system, how are they going to extract all that data? How are they going to get that data out and into the new system? Yeah, it's a great question. And in fact, it's not an easy process, but it's relatively straightforward. Database extracts are available to all of the managing agents for all of their data. These are in standard Microsoft database files, so pretty easy to consume. The process then is to take the data that we have from DDM and to pull it into, say, our databases. So it's something that we've done previously for other customers who are familiar with doing so it. So you can export it and then pull it back in? We can indeed. I guess the difficult decision is to actually analyse that data and decide whether it has value. Because if we think back to the beginning of the conversation where we're talking about lots of different parties adding to that incomplete data set, and that being a varied quality, you need to look at what the benefits of actually taking that data are and whether you can use it moving forwards. For some, it was really a core thing, but for others, it was more of a box-ticking thing saying, well, I've got to do this, otherwise I won't accept it. That's a fair assumption. I think there are a number of managing agents, our customers included, that were doing their own thing alongside DDM. So they're in a position where they have their data, it's their data, it's in their systems. And if DDM were turned off tomorrow, it really, really wouldn't make very much difference to their day-to-day -day trading. Well, I need to put this in wider context. We're in the middle of the Blueprint 2 process, and we've had some news on that, what they're calling the cutover date. It's funny, it's a specific sort of very IT-sounding word in itself. See, cutting sounds a bit painful. <laughs> I'll talk about crossovers or the sort of switchover date. This is absolutely the core payment systems, moving off some of the old sort of 1970s and 1980s technology that Exchanging and now DXC have been nursing through for the last few years, although it perfectly well works, of course. But the second phase of that has now going to be delayed. Yes. I know you're not in scope for that, but does it affect you? Would you think it would like you to affect you? Because, of course, people are human and they don't like to do more than one thing at once. And if they're saying, well, sorry, I would love to look at this DDM solution, but I'm too busy doing this other thing, which has now been delayed. So therefore, do you expect a knock on to you? There's two things here. One, DA will come into the scope of Blueprint 2 at some point and things like CDR will apply to DA, but that's a little bit further down the line. So from that perspective, if the current work that's being done on Blueprint 2 is delayed, therefore it's very likely that any DA-related work will also be delayed. But it certainly shouldn't affect or impact anything that's being done around this DDM retirement. That's going to happen in September regardless. So Blueprint 2 and that retirement process are, are not related. How would you do it if they said, right, Paul, you really know about this stuff? Why don't you just come and design this thing? Other than say, obviously, just use my system, which would be very self-serving. And probably some of those things are often a poison chalice, <laughs> as far as I'm aware, of my long reporting of IT projects within the London market. Sometimes you can think, well, it's nice to have won, but actually I don't want all the headaches that go with winning and being the mandated solution for whatever problem was trying to be solved. How would you design it? And this is in your most market-spirited mm. guise. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, first of all, it's good to have choices in whatever system you want to go forward with. I think when you have a market-led system, you lose a lot of the entrepreneurialism and the spirit of competition that you have in the open market. So I think having that competitive tension is good. It promotes 
product development, it promotes new features, and it makes the products as best they can be. So I, th I think having that competition is great. I think if I were doing this today, I wouldn't be looking to mandate a system as such, but I'd be looking to mandate a standard. So make it very clear and easy that data needs to be supplied in a certain standard to certain quality standards and submitted to a, a central repository or, or a central area whether that's through API or, or other mechanism. And that's for the reporting, because obviously Lloyd's and everybody else, these are regulated entities. Lloyd's had that particular need to be able to report to the Brussels authorities, the Belgian insurance authorities. They want their license, they want to collaborate, and obviously they need to keep that license maintained. So they need to be collaborating with all their premium taxes and all the other things oh, that totally. they're, they're complying with. They need to be able to demonstrate that. So there's an absolute need for that. Yeah. So how would that work? Could it be something where, for example, I don't know, there are accord standards, there are 700 different potential fields. If you just simply had a place to say, well, these are the 700 fields and they're all defined mm. by these standards that you're going to put out and say, but let people trade however they want. And obviously there are some minimum regulatory ones that Lloyd's and other entities, the FCA, the Belgian insurance regulator and whoever other regulation are bound to want to see these things. So we'll probably have those. They're absolutely mandated. You can't pay a premium until you've given this basic information. But then might it be that then you leave the market to decide what else, how many of these other, of these 700 potential bits of information you could give someone in the right format, you can leave it up to them. It could also be part of an underwriter's offering to a broker, for example, would say, well, actually come to me because I don't need all this information because I get a lot of information myself from, from other places or whatever, because it could be a competitive advantage to say, you know, it'll be really streamlined processing because I only need seven bits of information. Yeah, look, I think... A backwards facing view is best in this scenario. So it's good to look at what you need the data for and then draw the standards from that rather than just taking everything you can and <laughs> picking the bits that you need. This is what do you want? Oh, yeah. I want everything, please. Exactly. And, and I think it's wider than just that sort of Brussels angle as well. I think Lloyd's have demonstrated their intent in the past to widen this to all DA, not just the European yeah. impacted stuff. So I think to be able to take data across the board is actually beneficial for them because it forms almost part of a return. They're able to see what their DA portfolio is doing as a whole, not just in part. And I just think that if they focus on what is needed for that tax and regulation purpose and leave the underwriters to take whatever additional information they want, as you say, to give them their competitive advantage. Because if everyone else is asking for 27 bits of information and you only ask for seven, you're probably going to do a lot more business. Possibly so, yeah. Or, or I mean, you might not. Those other 20 fields might be incredibly important and mean that you've completely missed out on all the important underwriting information and get the price wrong. And then within three years, you've pulled out of that class of business. Exactly right. So, so, so yeah, yeah, you know, it's about. <laughs> but that's what the market is all about, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely right. But I think it's important to always look at what you plan to do with data before you start collecting it, because the temptation is always to grab absolutely everything you can, but actually some of it might not be of use. So you're fairly optimistic that that is what you're sort of imagining is going to be likely to be implemented in some way? That's certainly the indications are that a data-driven approach is what's going to happen moving forward rather than this system-driven approach. Is there anything else we need to add here into this DDM debate? I think it gives the market a lot of opportunity. I, th I think we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that a lot of money has been spent on DDM, not just in the levies that have been paid towards it, but also the amount of costs that have been borne by the parties in terms of standing up teams to load this data and, and manage it through. So a lot of data is there. So I'd imagine that there's going to be 
some parties feeling quite put out that they've invested so much and now they sort of have nothing to show for it, as it were. But actually, I think it's a great opportunity for the market to reset, think about what they're going to be doing and to work with vendors like us that can help support the future state. So in terms of what's going to happen next, those extracts, we were having a conversation with a potential customer a couple of days ago, and they were very keen to understand, would we be looking to support the market in terms of the standards and the way that data should come out of our systems? And the answer is absolutely, we're here to support that. And I think the fact that we have such a good customer base, a very loyal customer base, it means that we are constantly investing in the product and we're making sure that anything that happens in future is supported. My old saying is always that nothing ever goes to waste. It might seem like a waste, but I'd wager there's some really good stuff inside that DDM system that many people, particularly the ones who've been more diligent about putting stuff into it, are going to get more out of it when they extract it, and and it will be useful for them. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the old adage that you know you put effort to get good quality data into a system, you're going to get good quality results back out. So those parties that have worked hard and diligently, as you say, to get good data in there, should reap the benefits. One of the shortcomings, I guess, of the whole DDM thing was around the analytical side of things. So you could get data dumps, but there was no real reporting attached to it. So again, I think something that vendors can add to this, particularly something we've focused on quite heavily, is that analytical and reporting side of things, both underwriting and operational. So I think there's definitely some benefits that can be drawn from the data, as long as it is of that good quality. Yeah, and I suppose I need to ask Lloyds, what are their plans after September, particularly for Lloyds Brussels, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I think there's been some changes at the top of that organisation yeah. recently. I say Limos has, has sort of... And Limos, um, Limos is the London market, I can't remember what it stands for, but it's the London market oversight body, oversee some of these big IT procurement projects on behalf of the market. Yes. And it's been given that authority by the LM London Market Group, hasn't it? Or I think, is that correct? Yeah, it, as you rightly say, it's the body that's got the oversight role for the systems that are in I use. I think LIM must be London Insurance Market and then oversight something, something? <laughs> well, yeah, obviously something, something would fit, but uh, that, yeah, that's not going to be, I have to leave that one. That's one of the crosswords. <laughs> that's the seven across of the crossword that, that I haven't been able to do. I'll put that in the podcast notes. What does LIMOS exactly stand for? We will indeed. London Insurance Market Operations and Strategic Sourcing. I'm not saying that you're cheating, Paul. I'm not cheating. No, Google that very No, quickly. I did not Google that. <laughs> <laughs> so other than all this DDM situation you've been dealing with, mm. there's a huge amount else going on since we last spoke at Viper. What, what else have you been up to? We've been up to all sorts. So yeah, I mean, the, we probably mentioned last time that we've started international expansion. So we've yeah. got a, a number of customers now in the US and Canada, as well as across Europe. So what started as very much a, a London market centric system is certainly expanding rather nicely. We've been working on our products. We've been bringing new features into our product set, which is really exciting and, and been very well welcomed by our customers. Our insights, which are analytical pieces, really growing substantially. We've got a, a lot of high quality reports and analytics within that now, and our customers are, are, are really raving about it. So, so that's really good news. And our capability of plugging into other platforms is really starting to expand. So we talked about work that we're doing with the likes of Insurity on the last podcast, where we are working with them to plug into their MGA cover holder platforms right. to pull data through in near real time. And you're part of the ecosystem with AdvantageGo as well? Absolutely right. AdvantageGo's there. We're guided by our partners. So there's, yeah, there's certainly a lot happening on that front. And we, we really see this whole 
partnership ecosystem is a vital piece now. We, we don't want to expect our customers to be system integrators. We'd really like to get to a point where we are pre-integrated with a lot of the major vendors out there that our customers are likely to be using. That's fantastic. I'm glad that your part of the industry is getting its head around that. Your job is to make things really easy for everyone else. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, re it really should be. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're right. I mean, in a day-to-day -day implementation, we're plugging into policy admin systems. We're often integrated with ledgers, data warehouses and the like. And then further down the chain was taking data from cover holder systems and TPA systems. So to try and make that as joined TPA up as possible. is third-party administrators. Yeah, yeah. I think called DCA well, you're outsourcing, now. any kind of outsourcing, particularly in claims, isn't claims, it? Claims, absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So collect that claims data. So, you know, if we can make that journey really simple and have data flowing in near real time, rather than maybe up to 90 day lag, it makes a lot of sense. It certainly does. Well, I wish you all the best with this TDM. Thank you. And obviously, it does seem like an opportunity for you to be selling more of your own core product. It's all about delegated authority So, and your core expertise. That's exactly what you are for. So I hope it's a good opportunity for you to do more business and get more customers. But at the same time, I hope it works out for the market as well. I think it's important that we wish the market well with all of it. We do indeed. I mean, we, we have always tried to support Lloyd's as best we can. So we were the first vendor to be approved for direct reporting. We worked on Project Tomorrow. We've been very much involved in a lot of these initiatives. So we're very much supportive of what Lloyd's do. And we, we want to see this become a success for all parties. So we're doing all that we can to really support our customers and potential customers through this process. Well, Paul, you really are one of my go-to people to explain all this. I've got a lovely job that I have a very generalist position. I can talk to reinsurers one day and reinsurance brokers and insurance brokers and risk managers. And obviously I'm aware of all the processing and I've, I was a broker and I used to help my technicians and throw premium advice notes into the bins <laughs> to go on a van to Chatham back in the old days. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know the real in and out of all this, of how this actually works. So thanks very much for being a very patient navigator of what is quite a big, it's, it's a big maze out there. So thank you so much. And good luck with everything you do. Brilliant. Absolute pleasure. Great to talk to you again. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this programme. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium, where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience, because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost-effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com. <laughs>